0: This is the Straight Truth Podcast. Biblical answers to difficult questions from a Christian worldview. Question for this episode has to do with Satan of all topics. But the question comes like this. Why did God create Satan? And if God is a perfect God, he's a God of love, and he also knows the future, why would he create an angel
1: that he knows will turn bad and do the destructive things that he's done and doing? Yeah, whenever we get a question that involves a why, right away our minds need to turn to scripture. Mm You know, we don't want to think about any question, including one like that, in in the realm of our imagination. We want to think in the realm of revelation. What has God told us? And that's actually a good lesson for everything in the Christian life. You know, there, there are things that we might want to know, but God hasn't chosen to reveal to us, which means we're not meant to know it. And we ought not to waste our time in those things. Rather, we need to occupy our minds in the realm of what God has chosen to tell us and then leave the rest to him. The things that are revealed belong to us. The things that are secret belong to the Lord. Those those are the things that he has chosen to keep to himself. So all of the reasons why God made Satan or all of the reasons why God allowed sin and those sorts of questions, we don't have access to all of that. I think what we can say with some confidence is when I look at the Bible as a whole, what seems clear to me is what is most important to God is his own glory. Mm-hmm. He does everything that he's done, everything that he's worked uh, out according to his will. It is ultimately for his glory. The, the source of everything is explained by that. The course of everything is explained by that. The end of everything is explained by that in the end. I think about Romans eleven thirty six. 36 which says for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever, amen. So if we ask about why did something originate, why is something the way that it is right now? Where's it all headed? How's it all going to end? At the end of it all, the answer is going to be the glory of Mm. God and that's good and that's right. So why did God create Satan knowing in advance what Satan would be, knowing in advance what Satan would produce. The the answer is as as unsatisfying as it will be to some minds, the answer is God's glory. There's something about God that is being put on display because things are the way that they are. And all of that is good in the final analysis or else God would not have ordained it Mm -hmm. because our God is perfectly good, perfectly wise. So the answer that I would give is the glory of God.
0: So you're saying you use this word ordained. So now we're getting mm-hmm. into a, a broader question, maybe yeah. not talking about this angel, Satan. The broader question of you know d- does God allow these things to happen, and why does He allow these things to happen? You're saying for His glory. Okay, so so if I've got the logic correct, from let's think Ephesians one here, from all eternity, God de- determined. Mm-hmm. To um, to to redeem uh, a people through his son, and and you just tell me if I'm correct on this. By doing so, he ordained that evil would exist and come about to bring about the death of his son, which would redeem a people, which ultimately is to the praise of his glory. Is yeah, that correct.
1: I think that's exactly right. Right. So I mean, I can't say it better than that. I would add to that: we need to remember that. The desires of God and the decrees of God, and by desires I mean something God rejoices in directly, mm-hmm. takes pleasure in in a direct fashion. Those things don't always match with his decrees. God has decreed certain things that involve along the course of the way, things that displease God. He, mm-hmm. He's allowed things that displease him. But in the end, it will all be to his glory and it will all represent what pleases him in mm-hmm. the final analysis. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that includes the existence of evil and everything else. We, what we don't wanna say is that God had nothing to do with it because that's not true. Yeah. There's nothing that exists that God did not have sovereignty over. So when
0: God said, well,
1: when the apostle Paul says,
0: the Lord through Paul says, God has created some vessels for honorable use and some for dishonor, honorable use. Satan is, in, is, is one of those ones that he has created
1: for dishonorable use yeah I think the question there ha- has to do with the, the question of salvation in the realm of humanity, but yeah, there, there's no doubt that God had a purpose for Satan when he made him. Okay. and Satan is fulfilling that purpose. okay yeah okay How- and, and the same is true for example in the human realm when you think about Judas, oh, I yeah. mean what, what Judas did with the Lord Jesus was foreordained. Mm-hmm. did God take pleasure? in a direct fashion. Did God take pleasure in what Judas did? No, it was hateful to God. Did God make Judas Judas in the sense that he infused Judas with the capacity for betrayal? No, no, that was the result of sin. Mm -hmm. God God allowed sin and sin produced a Judas. According to his nature. According to his nature, right. Mm -hmm. God could have taken Judas out of existence before the betrayal ever took place. Mm -hmm. So as Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the hands of wicked men crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, right. but it was according to the perfect will of yeah, God.
0: foreknowledge of God, which Peter says exactly there. Exactly right. That's too. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. Okay, a couple rapid-fire questions about mm-hmm. the devil then, since we're talking about <laughs> okay. uh, the devil. So the devil is an angel?
1: Yes. He
0: is in so a created being before humanity was created. Correct. Is the serpent in the garden in Genesis 3 the devil?
1: Yeah, because in the book of Revelation, as it speaks about the devil, uh, he, he is described as the serpent of old. Mm-hmm. So yes, one and the same. Okay, so in an, the ancient
0: dragon, John says, right the, right? the serpent. Right. So that is the devil. Um, was the devil created good?
1: Yes, okay. originally good, fell. I think there are indications in the book of Isaiah, for example, that the, the explanation for his fall was pride. Okay. And so his heart is lifted up beautiful, mm-hmm. wise, good, might even be true to say, held the highest place among, uh, among all the angels in some respect and yet fell as a result of his mm-hmm. pride. Yeah, that was my next question. So we, we have some
0: angelic appearances in the Bible. We get that in the Old and the New Testament, actually. What does the devil look like? What, what, would he be like these others or?
1: Yeah, we're not told. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think any way of any description. If you can add it and we'll talk about it. I can't, th- can't think of any description outside of his character. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a, a description in the Old Testament that's hard even to decipher regarding mm-hmm. appearance, but nothing in, in the forms that we would understand. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But definitely not like pitchfork and horns. Of course that not. That sort of Dante yeah. vision. Okay, final question. What is the devil's ultimate end? How does it come about?
1: Uh, the book of Revelation indicates that, that the time is going to come when he's locked away for a thousand-year period. He will emerge and then be finally judged. By the Lord Jesus Christ and put away for forever. So the devil, like um, like those who are sinned, will
0: have an eternity, but it is a bound eternity where he is no longer able to affect anything else. And apparently, an eternity in hell, like yeah, the Bible who says the hell was
1: pre- hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And so, lost humanity will will share in that end as well. But uh, a final judgment from God. That means he is forever off the scene.
0: Okay, our next question has to do with um, the devil and and, uh, and God's creation and 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 how we understand this in the full testimony of Scripture. So we've already done a que- we've already done a question before on the podcast about why God created the devil or, or if he even did it. So um, let's propose it this way. So God created the devil, knowing that the devil would rebel, and then God created humans in His image and said it was good. Mm. And then place them in Eden to be tempted by uh, one of the most cunning of his creatures. Why would God do this? What in the in, in the full plan of the Scripture? Why would He do this? Yeah. And uh, we have talked about Satan's work in the world before, but I, I do have a, a follow up question as well that I'm interested in you answering about um, how Paul calls Satan the God of this world. And, and what that means in relation to your,
1: the first part of the question here. Yeah. yeah, I love questions like this, Josh, because they're great lessons for us as, as Christians about, about other matters outside of this question. And that is we, we just have to acknowledge that there are things God has revealed and there are things that He hasn't. Yeah. There, there are things that He tells us about because He wants us to know those things. And there are things that belong to Him that we will never know mm-hmm. about. Deuteronomy 29, 29. That's a, a good passage. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And and so one of the greatest disciplines we will learn as Christians is to be content with what God has revealed. And this is something we'll be mocked over, I mean, by the world. You know, we're, we're just simple Bible believers, but now as a, as a Christian for many years and as an older man, I can tell you I am Absolutely content being a simple Bible believer. Mm -hmm. So if we take the testimony of the scriptures and we answer that question, the answer is God does everything that he does for his glory. Mm. And when we talk about God doing something for his glory, what we're really talking about is is God making known something about himself, Mm -hmm. about his character, about his name. And so there were things that God determined to put on display about himself that would not be possible apart from creation, apart from a fall and that's true in terms of a fall that occurred before the world was made in the heavens and that's true of a fall that occurred after man was created in the garden. God allowed these things for his glory to make, to make truth about God known, to put it on display. And there, there, are, uh, there are a myriad of things that God is doing at the same time. So it's not like that's the only thing God was doing there are a myriad of other things wrapped up in those decisions God was making but ultimately everything God does is for his glory and it's all mm-hmm. good it's mm-hmm. perfectly good it's perfectly right so when people ask questions like if God is a good god why would he create right. lucifer whom he knew would fall and all mm-hmm. the havoc that has come as a result and why if God knew that adam and eve would fall uh, did he make them like he did why not just just you know make them impeccable from the beginning where no fall was even possible All of those questions I'm content to leave with God and Mm -hmm. to take his simple, straightforward answer to me in scripture, which is everything he does is ultimately for his glory. And it is perfectly wise and perfectly good so that the elements of of what God has done that I can't get my mind around, I'm a creature. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not meant to Mm -hmm. get my mind around everything my creator has done. Mm -hmm. So like a child, I'll take what he's told me about it and be content with it.
0: Okay, so... Um, so the end for which God created the world was for His glory. and you're yes. saying like even even allowing, even even with full knowledge, in his decrees with full knowledge, knowing that He will create this being who will rebel and then tempt others to fall. It was ultimately to bring about uh, the plan of his of the divine Son uh, being being magnified which gives greater glory to, to the Godhead, uh, not only through all of human history, but also for all eternity.
1: Yes, and S- greater, greater glory, not in the sense of giving him something he didn't possess already, but putting on display what he already possessed.
0: Yes, okay. And, and there are things that,
1: that yeah. happened through redemption that did not yet happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The incarnation, all of that. That, 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 that was not from all eternity. The mm. incarnation had a beginning in time. The death of Christ happened in history. The resurrection mm. happened in history. So in that sense, you could say, to bring about a greater glory. Mm. But nonetheless, the glory of God is being put on display through those events. Mm. You know, what tr- was already true of God is, is put on display through those events. I love what you said when you said this is the, the you know, chief end of all things, Yeah, right? right? Yeah. Here's why it's important what, what we're talking about, to be able to embrace that. Mm. Simply, in faith, and be content with it. Yeah. Because the chief end of man, you know, what is our chief end? Why did God create us? What's the, what's the ultimate purpose for mankind? As the catechism says, the chief end of yep. man is to glorify God mm-hmm. and to enjoy him forever. forever. Mm-hmm. right? And those two things are, are, are joined. Mm-hmm. Man's true joy in his existence is found when God is, God's glory is preeminent and important. When what matters most to me is the glory of God, I find the greatest joy in my life. And so it's not until I'm at that place where I can say, if God is glorified, it's good. Mm-hmm. If God is glorified, I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when I'm in that place that I can know true joy in my own, in my own soul. Mm-hmm. And this comes into play in all sorts of issues. You know, when, when your sufferings, mean God's glory, can you find a joy in your sufferings? Mm. When your loss you know ultimately is gonna be for God's glory and for your good, can you find joy even Mm. in that loss? It's Mm. not necessarily joy in the suffering itself, sure, right. but in the purposes and yeah. the outcomes of it, mm-hmm. same thing with loss etc. Yep. So, So sickness, mm-hmm. limitations, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think about older saints because my mom now is living with us. And I think about older saints who meet with increasing limitations sure. and how frustrating that can be for mm-hmm. them. Do you, do you is do, what you want the most in your last years, is it to glorify God? Because if he's glorified, even in, in, in your limitations, So now you have to give yourself, for example, to prayer. This is the greatest way now you can serve. You used to serve in so many different ways, but now the way he's calling you to serve is in the privacy of your home as you're engaging him in prayer. Can you find joy even in these years of limitation? So it's it's that that childlike simplicity, that childlike faith that says, God, I'm gonna be content with what you tell me about these things. So these deep, you know, in many Mm -hmm. ways, mystical questions. Mysterious Mm -hmm. is a better word. The devil's purpose, the doctrine or or the decree rather concerning the fall and all of that. It's for God's glory Mm -hmm. and and that's enough.
0: Yeah, you made me think about just Job in general and um, and the main question uh, there in Job and how God has permitted these things to happen to Job. And then there is this kind of very lengthy 42 chapters of like endless speculation um, but at the end of the day, it seems like Job is doing what you what you have just said. Uh, I, I I give myself to you, Lord. I, I, I can't understand I close it. my mouth. Yeah, yeah. The the Lord gives, the Lord tes, or takes away. Blessed be the name Amen. of the Lord. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand. And and, and, and at the end, yeah, he closes his mouth. At the end, he's, he's shut up at the greatness and glory of God. And I wonder if that's instructive for us for discipleship even today, um, that these sort of endless speculations about this question doesn't lead us to
1: the lasting joy that we ultimately seek. That's exactly, that's so, yeah. so wise, Josh. And I love the fact, I think you've made a distinction there we also want to make in, in our conversation. And that is, he allowed these things to take place in Job's life. It's not that God delighted in what he allowed in and of itself, Right. That's good. but yeah. he had a purpose for it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that God delights in evil. He doesn't, he hates evil, but he had a reason to decree the fall of Satan and the fall of man. There's there's a, a, a greater end beyond the thing itself. Mm-hmm. And in that, God did delight in, mm-hmm. and his glory will be put on display. And mm-hmm. in that, we delight, mm-hmm. uh, even in the difficulties that we face.
0: Well, Pastor, one of, the, uh, one of the purposes of this podcast is to explain really challenging verses in mm-hmm. the Bible, because there are plenty of those, and, and it's good to have a pastor with a lot of experience. An exegesis to to explain them. So, uh, our question this time is about um, specifically two instances in the Bible where you have what apparently seems to be Satan in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So, the first one, famous one in Job, right? So, Job, uh, the, the first chapter is, mm-hmm. explains this, this scenario where, um, where there are um, uh, different beings presenting themselves to God and one of them um, is Satan? Satan is among them, it says in Job 1.6. six. And then you also have Jesus having this conversation with right before his death, right with Simon Peter. Mm. And so in Luke twenty two thirty one, Simon, Simon, behold, Jesus says, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith uh, may not fail. So where where do these things take place? That's the question. Is this taking place in the throne room of heaven? Mm. You know, is is Satan actually in the throne where God resides, mm. right? Um, can I mean we've always said you know sin can't be in God's presence. That's partly mm. why um, we can't attain the holiness um, that that we need to see the Lord without being clothed with Christ. Right? Sin can't. Mm. God cannot um, endure sin in His presence without His wrath consuming. So, how would you explain something like this?
1: And we, we need to remember that sometimes we're we're given truth in terms that we can receive. Okay. So it's sometimes referred to as anthropomorphic statements. So statements that are, that are given to us in a way that human beings can relate to. So when we say that, that uh, sin can't be in the presence of God, we need to remember God's omnipresent. I mean, sin is in the presence of God right now on this earth. God is here and there is sin here. So to say that sin is not in God's presence is to, to remind us that God doesn't accept sin. Mm-hmm. Sin itself will never be accepted by God. Sinful sinful human beings, unforgiven, without reconciliation, without atonement for their sins, will never be accepted by God. God hates sin, rejects sin, will punish sin, judges sin. But that's what those statements communicate to us. It's not that spatially, you know, there could never be sin in God's presence because, because God is omnipresent. There's nowhere that God isn't. Mm-hmm. And so sin in that sense is in his presence right now. Mm. It seems that what, what you have going on in the book of Job is the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord. The, the, the location, the scene seems to be heaven and they're coming there to get instructions or to give reports or whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming among them is the adversary, which is what the name Satan refers to. He's, he's the, the great adversary. Mm-hmm. And, and so it seems that though Satan was cast out of heaven in his rebellion, he is still granted some kind of access with God in in this age, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. We don't have to get our heads around it. We just have to believe what God has revealed. Mm-hmm. And And so there are conversations that took place regarding Job that Job was unaware of that involved accusations that God responded to in a way that that tested Job, proved Job, and resulted in Job's sanctification. And these conversations appear to go on often. Our Lord noted that Satan had demanded to sift Peter like wheat. Mm -hmm. That demand was granted, Mm -hmm. but our Lord prayed for him Mm -hmm. that he would repent of his failure, that he would be strengthened, and as a result, strengthen his brothers, that he'd Mm -hmm. go on to have a useful life in ministry. Peter wasn't aware of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Our Lord clued him into that, let him know that that took place. He wouldn't have known it otherwise. I often say Job didn't have the book of Job. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, we get to read what went on. All he had was was faith in mm. the goodness That's of true. his God. So so this this appears to be the case even to this day. In fact, in the New Testament, our enemy is referred to as the accuser of the brethren, mm-hmm. and he accuses us day and night. So yeah, the Bible reveals that this goes on. There seems to be some indication in the book of Revelation, however, that at some point in the tribulation period, this is gonna come to an end. Hmm. In Revelation 12, verse seven, it says, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who's called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him and on it goes. And it, it may be some belief that this represents a new development where he is no longer granted that access uh, that he has right now. And then there's a, uh, you know, an enragement that occurs and even more trouble on the earth that follows this. But what we can say for certain is that, yeah, in the book of Job, he's appearing before God. Hmm. And in some way, he made a demand in the presence of God that our Lord referenced in the Gospel of Luke.
0: How much influence does the devil have on our sinful choices? So we, we, we hear in the New Testament that we should resist the devil and mm. he'll flee from us. Uh, Paul says to give no opportunity for the devil, right? The devil uh, lurks about, you know, seeking someone to devour. So the devil, though, is not omnipresent, is he? And, and, and how much influence does he have in our Christian life and spiritual warfare?
1: He's not omnipresent but he is a, a very real foe and, mm-hmm. and the greatest foe that we face in the spiritual realm. We do need to be clear that our battle is not just with the devil. Mm-hmm. So we have sin battles that arise out of our flesh. We have sin battles that arise out of our interaction with the world system, which of course is informed by Satan. We also need to acknowledge that Satan because he is not omnipresent. He's the leader of of, uh, the force of the foes that we face. There are demon spirits that we struggle with as well. I think a good passage to deal with this is Ephesians chapter six, beginning at verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So let me just kind of comment as I go along here. A, if you're born again, the Lord is, you have the Lord. So Mm -hmm. you can operate in His strength and we're exhorted to be strong, but in Him, in Mm -hmm. the strength of His might. And then He's provided for us everything that we need for the spiritual struggle that we're in. He's Mm -hmm. given us armor, as it were, using this analogy that Paul is using, Mm -hmm. and we're to put it on. We have to make choices with what God has provided. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to know that God's provided me the resources. I have to access the resources have to appropriate the resources, put on the full armor of God. And that armor that God has given us is effective Hmm. so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So I'm not ignorant of his schemes. I know that he's a schemer and there are ways that he operates. The Bible informs uh, informs me about that. And if I take advantage of what God has provided for us, I can stand. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So as we you know, engage sinful people, hateful people, at times even abusive, persecuting kinds of people, we're, we're never to lose sight of the fact that our real battle is not with people. It's behind the scenes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. So there's some sort of hierarchy, spiritual hierarchy that exists in the demonic realm. I'm not taught in scripture to try to figure all that out. I'm just informed about the fact that it is. Mm -hmm. And then he says, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, Let me just pause and say this, Josh. Here's what's interesting. So so I ask, what is this armor? And if for just a moment I were to remove the analogy that Paul is using, and I just take note of what is represented in the analogy. He's going to give us the analogy of armor. But each of the pieces he's going to describe are meant to present us with something that's real and substantive. Not, Not an analogy, but reality. So let's just remove the analogy for a moment. Here's what he mentions. Gird up your loins with truth, so I have truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, there's righteousness. Um, You shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the knowledge that I'm at peace with God. You take up the shield of faith. Uh, You put on the helmet of salvation, the knowledge of what salvation is. You have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if I ask, how do I do battle in in this war? I do it with truth, righteousness, knowing that God has forgiven me, believing faith, believing what God has revealed, the the knowledge of what salvation is, what my standing is now in Christ, and all of this is found in the Word of God. That's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So here's my point. Sometimes we hear people talk about this battle. Mm -hmm. They talk about things like binding Satan, Mm -hmm. or they talk Mm -hmm. about things like casting out demons which of course was an apostolic sign gift in my view and and also bore testimony to Christ himself when he was Mm -hmm. on earth. But nowhere in the New Testament am I commanded to cast out demons. Mm -hmm. Nowhere does the Bible command me to bind Satan. You hear about warfare praying and these sorts of things. What I don't want to do is try to engage the battle with a plastic sword, Mm -hmm. with imaginary weapons. I want to take what the Bible tells me to take up Mm -hmm. and then apply it. And what it tells me to take up truth, righteousness, salvation, knowing I'm forgiven, believing God's revelation, taking his word in hand, and walking in the truth. And as I do that in the power of Christ, the strength the Lord gives, I will stand in the evil day. I will be able to stand when the battle comes. So does Satan have a role to play in my sinning? Yes. He's the schemer, he's the tempter, Mm -hmm. using him to speak of all of his forces, okay? Mm -hmm. He's the tempter, he's the schemer, he's the one who sets the temptations in front of us. But how do I do battle with him? Not by trying to bind him, not by rebuking him. Uh, The Lord, even Michael the archangel didn't rebuke him directly. Mm -hmm. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Mm. So it's by trusting in Christ, believing the word of God and obeying the scriptures, Mm. I will be able to stand in the days of testing.
0: Well, we're assured that Satan is still present and active in the world. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We're to resist him, that he's still active, and, and maybe in each one of our lives, but how so? That's, that's my question. So where where is Satan most active in the world today, would you say?
1: It means he's active in every realm of the world. So I, I don't really think in terms of where's he most active obviously he he is a murderer from the beginning a liar and so you know what he seeks to destroy is that which would honor and glorify God so so i i think we could safely say that his his bullseye his target is the people of God the church of God in the world in terms of, of how we think about him and things in terms of how we deal with him when i look at the new testament joshua I, I see several things one a belief that he's there, so believing the scriptures that he that Satan exists, demons exist, that realm exists. It's not legend. It's not some sort of mystical way to explain earthly realities. It, he's real. We have a real spiritual enemy. The second thing I see in the New Testament is worth to know his character. So some of the verses you and I have referenced, you know, made reference to about the fact that he's a liar and a deceiver and a murderer and all the rest, the serpent of old. These are biblical descriptions of him. So I'm to not only know that he exists, but I'm to take into my mind and heart what the word of God says about his character. Third, I would say the New Testament tells us we're not ignorant of his schemes. Hmm. So you find places in the New Testament where not only who he, is, the fact that he is and what his character is, is described, but his activity is mm-hmm referenced. Mm-hmm. So I think about, for example, the pastoral qualifications, First Timothy 3. Not a new convert, not a recent convert, lest he be filled with pride mm-hmm. and fall into the snare of, the, of Satan. Mm-hmm. So, so there, his activity is referenced. This mm-hmm. is the sort of thing that he does. He'll take a new believer who's put into a position that he's not ready for, and he'll use that as an opportunity to lift this man's heart up and to cause him, cause him trouble. In another place, Paul exhorts unity in the life of the church because he says we're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. Forgive this man, he says to the Corinthian church, who's committed this sin, he's repented. You need to forgive him because we're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. So he's aware of how Satan can move into a situation like that and cause trouble. We're to function knowing that God has given... We're to think about him knowing God has given us a means by which to deal with him. We have our our Lord's own example to us when he's tempted in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. He answers Satan with scripture each time. Mm -hmm. So the word of God Mm -hmm. is the way that we deal with him. We're told to resist him firm Mm -hmm. in our faith. We're told to resist him and he'll flee. Mm -hmm. We're given a set of spiritual armor in the book of Ephesians that we're to put on so as to be able to stand in those moments of testing Mm -hmm. against our enemy. So he exists, we know his character, we know something about his activity and we know how we're to resist him. Hmm. Firm in our faith, in the word of God, putting on the spiritual armor as it's pictured for us there in Ephesians. Hmm. Put those things on. And then I would say we're to be mindful of his end. Okay. So he, God is sovereign, Satan is not. Mm-hmm. There is a healthy respect. You reference the verse, he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking hmm. whom, he is, whom he may devour. So, so in God's people, there's this sense of of sobriety, but it's not—it's not trepidation, as though he's a an enemy that um, <clears throat> we're to fear in the way we fear God. Rather, we understand he—he's formidable. He his work is 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 weighty and destructive, but we have everything we need to stand in our relationship with our Savior Jesus Christ. And the end of Satan is his destruction. We know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. He'll be bound up forever one day. But until then, we walk in faith, trusting the Lord in the light of the truth that God has revealed. So I'm thinking about, you just
0: mentioned the end of, of, of Satan. The beginning, he first arrives on the scene, Genesis 3. And it seems like he's doing so much there to um, to twist and, and uh, lie about God's word. Is that uh, Would you say that's one of the primary means in which he
1: is at work? To... Every time, every time. If you ask, how does he murder? He distorts, denies questions the Word of God. You look at how he dealt with Eve there in the scene that you described. Mm -hmm. Has God really said? Sort of a a mocking of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Eventually proceeds to the point where he says, you will not die. So he denies the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Leaves portions out of what God had said to Adam and Eve. Leaves out what's very important to their worldview did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? Well, that's not what God said. Mm-hmm. So there's a questioning of the word of God, a distortion of the word of God, an outright denial of the word of God. And you see the same things when you see our Lord's temptation in the wilderness. If you really are the son of God, then do this. The, the Bible says that, that uh, the angels will bear you up and take care of you. So mm-hmm. cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. Mm-hmm. You know, So, so the this is how he has always worked, and this is how he works with us. Mm-hmm. Distorting the word of God, denying the word of God, questioning the word of God. And so that's why our answers are found, even in the, even in the putting on of that spiritual armor. Mm-hmm. It's found in the realm of, of believing the truth, mm-hmm. and that's where our safety is found.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me in Genesis 3 how the people, just two here, Adam and Eve, they already have access to God's word. They have it. They do. And yet, when the attack comes, it's like there's a willingness even to, um, to, to either deny it or to believe the deceiver. Even though they have access to God's Word and they know the truth, maybe the exhortation for us is that all the more that we need to believe and to live out what we know to be true in every sphere. And uh, not so quickly deny it
1: like, like Eve did there. The it's outstanding. Landing. It's yeah. right on. Yeah, it, the first mistake that Eve makes is her willingness to reason outside of revelation. Mm-hmm. She has what God has told her. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says she, when she looked at the tree mm-hmm. and saw that it was good for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where we go wrong. Mm-hmm. We, we feel a kind of strength that we don't possess. Like I, I'm safe mm-hmm. to just reason on my own while rejecting the revelation God has given me. That's, you're actually standing on very dangerous soil. At, at the very moment, you're willing to reason outside of revelation. So mm-hmm. God's told me something, but now I have the right to sort of consider it for myself. Mm-hmm. You're already standing on very dangerous ground. And so we have to return to the kind of humility mm-hmm. and, and recognition of our own weakness. We're just dust mm-hmm. to say what God has revealed is is enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna stand right there. One of my favorite parts of that section there in Genesis three is when the Lord says to them, who told you you were naked? Mm -hmm. I love that because even what now they um, acknowledge having fallen, God returns to the matter of revelation. Mm -hmm. Who told you that? Where did you get that information from?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Because the only safe place to be. We're gonna learn everything in one of two ways. We're gonna learn it by listening to God. We're gonna learn it because we didn't listen to God. And only one of those is a place of joy mm-hmm. and well-being and health. And that's when we listened to God. I, I can't think of a single time in my life that I've regretted listening to God. Mm-hmm. But all my regrets were wrapped up in the times I didn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. So do you wanna learn lessons by pain? Do you wanna learn lessons by destruction? Do you wanna le- learn that God really did tell you the truth when you chose not to believe him? Or would you rather learn by listening to your father and obeying him? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, Straight Truth is listener supported. So if you'd like to find out ways how you can help us to continue to produce this podcast, you can go to our website and find out ways to do that, straighttruth.net. At that website, you'll also find links to all of our previous episodes and our social media channels. So be sure to check it out. Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.